back here with us as we continue to worship our King in spirit and truth and as we continue to to praise our, our Savior. Thank you for being here with us again tonight. And just want to say again, just want to really show my appreciation to everyone with the assistance uh, with myself and Nikki and Joshua over the last month. We really appreciate everyone, uh, the love and the assistance that we've had. Thank you very much for all that you have done. Well, <clears throat> I want to begin by sharing a story with you about a woman uh, that I met a few years ago, and her name was Karen. Uh, there's Nikki there in the back of the photo, and Karen is the woman or was the woman uh, without, without the hair. Uh, we met Karen, I can't remember exactly how many years ago, but uh, Garrett, I believe it was a providence of the Lord. Her son had visited the Dallin Road Church one Sunday morning. I believe her son was living in uh, the state of Washington at that time. After services, he went up to Max. Max is one of the preachers at Dallin Road, and he asked him if we could potentially set up a Bible study with his mother, Karen. Karen was dying of cancer, and apparently she didn't have that much time. She was not a Christian. And so her son asked us if we could attempt to study with her. I don't know if others had already tried to do that or not. So in the process of time, we learned a little bit more about Karen. And Max and myself and Chris, who was there at the time, Chris Emerson, who was there, and a number of other men and women went over to visit her. In the process of time, we would find out that she actually knew some of the members at the Dallin Road congregation. Karen went to a church growing up. She was a part of a denominational church growing up, but she really didn't have that much Bible knowledge. So we asked her if we could study with her, and we used a, a variety of things to talk to her a little bit. Obviously, we opened up the scriptures, and, and we shared what we could to her about Jesus Christ and salvation. So in the process of time, Karen decided that she wanted to put on Christ through baptism. It was a cold afternoon, I believe it was a Friday, and one of us picked her up where she was staying. We took her, or brought her to the building, I think she was in her pajamas, <laughs> and we brought her to the building. She may have been in her pajamas, I can't remember, uh, but Karen had tumors all over her body. And if you're familiar with the building back in Beaumont, the baptistry, there's only a few steps here, I think, to get to the baptistry, Right. We have, I don't know, about or 15 or 20 steps, so it would take a long time for us to get her up those steps. I still remember it because it was me and a couple other people. We, we had to sit her down each step because she didn't have the strength to walk up the steps. And I remember it because she would sit down, and then I had to sit down behind her. I sat down behind her, and I had to put my arms around her. And I remember she said, she turned around and looked at me, and she said, you know, there's nothing funny going on here, right? And I said, yes, there's nothing funny going on around here. But I had to put my arms around her. And so we had to pick her up one step at a time. I did not think she was going to be baptized. Seem like takes forever to get her up those steps. 
finally got her up the steps. Nikki and a couple other sisters. And I help her with her clothes. And they would see the tumors all over her body. Then we had to get her in the water. And me and a couple other men all went down in the water with her because she had to be gentle. And then we had to start the process all over again, get her back dressed, and then come down the stairs. It was the longest baptism probably I've ever been a part of. And I truly did not think that she was going to do it. Then after that, she began to come to the services. She put a lot of the members to shame. And she came. And her vagina. Then a couple of months later, Karen would pass away. I was talking to Nikki this afternoon, and I was asking her, what was it about Karen? And she said it was her heart. She had the right heart. She was facing death, and that certainly will change a lot of things, but she was still open and receptive to hearing the gospel message. And as a result of her son, Karen, being patient, not giving up, something good happened. I share this story for a couple of reasons. First, there are plenty of people who are interested in learning the truth if they are given an opportunity. Second, as Christians, more than ever, we need to move with a sense of urgency when it comes to teaching the lost. We have a great responsibility, and we can be successful when it comes to reaching the lost. There are a lot of people like Karen, and they may not necessarily be in their last days on this side of life, but there are a lot of people like Karen who, if given the opportunity, will respond, will be interested in learning more about the truth, and will be honest and open and, and say, listen, there are some things that I don't know, and may, yeah, I need to hear some things, and maybe I can learn some more things from the Word of God. Well, that's where you and I come in. We have a great responsibility, and I know this point is not earth-shattering, that we have this responsibility to go out and to, to teach the lost. However, brothers and sisters, it is interesting that it can be really hard for Christians, and I'll be the first to raise my hand. It can be hard sometimes to take that first step and to reach out to others. Ever felt that way? It can be hard to take that initiation to talk to someone, to share your faith with someone. Sometimes it may be the case that Christians think that reaching the lost is difficult and outside their capabilities. Have you ever 
felt that way, that reaching the lost is only for a select few. It's only for the elders, or maybe it's only for the preachers, and I can't help anyone, and I'm not going to be successful being able to talk to anyone about Jesus. Sometimes that's how some brothers and sisters in Christ may think. I want you to know, my friends, that's not the case at all. When it comes to reaching the loss, I want you to know that it's not rocket science, okay? Do we have any rocket scientists here tonight? Okay, I'm good. Rocket scientists, obviously being uh, rocket science is difficult. It's challenging. It's hard. What I want you to see tonight is that when it comes to evangelism, it's not rocket science. And what I mean by that is that this is something that all of us can do. There's only a select few, I think, that could be a rocket scientist, okay? But all of us can be successful when it comes to reaching the lost. You see, we don't need to have a Ph.D. We don't need to be fluent in Hebrew or Greek to be successful. You and I can be successful doing simple things to share our faith with others. And I know that this is the case because we see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Word of God. The Christians in the first century, they use simple methods to bring people to Jesus. And all we need to do is follow their example. The gospel still has the power to save souls. All of us can be successful in this important work tonight. This is what it's all about. It's about souls. It's about helping others come to the, uh, to the truth concerning Jesus Christ. And so for a few minutes, I want us to see some simple things that all of us can do. It doesn't matter if you're 16 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 86 years old. All of us can do these things. We can be successful. And when we are fully committed to doing these things for the Lord, we are going to be able to share the greatest gift to man, and that is the gift of salvation. And so I want to share with you three simple ways that you can be successful, that I can be successful when it comes to reaching the lost. Let's talk about this. Evangelism, reaching the lost, it is not rocket science. The first thing that we need to think about when it comes to reaching the lost that all of us can do, the first thing that we need to do, we need to open up our eyes. What I mean by that is we need to look around and see that there are opportunities everywhere. Everywhere we go, every day, there's an opportunity for you to potentially make contact with someone and to assist someone. I told you to turn over to John chapter 4. You remember the story with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus was tired and he was thirsty as he was traveling and he met this woman at Jacob's well and he would talk to this woman and he would say to her, give me a drink. In the process of time, he would have this conversation with her and change this physical conversation to a spiritual conversation. He would help this woman. This woman was broken. This woman needed hope. She needed help. Later on in John chapter 4, as Jesus would continue to talk to his apostles, he would say to them in verse number 35, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. I think Jesus was trying to get his apostles to see, look around you. There are opportunities everywhere. When you go back to verse number 30, verse number 30, the Samaritan woman had left Jesus, and then she had gone back to the city. She said, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. So maybe these individuals coming uh, from the city to see Jesus, he's telling his apostles, look up, look around, look at the harvest. There's opportunities everywhere. This is what we find all throughout the New Testament. In fact, we're going through the book of Acts. And what we find is that the apostles, they opened up their eyes and they took advantage of the opportunities around them. They saw opportunities everywhere. We know the unique situation in Acts chapter 2. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. And I want to read these verses. 
Many of us are probably already familiar with these verses, but I want you to see all the opportunities, the different places, uh, the different people that they talked to. In Acts chapter 2, we know that this was on the day of Pentecost. They had a large crowd, and a lot of great things were taking place on the day of Pentecost. The apostles had the courage. They began to speak. They were speaking words of inspiration, and the Bible shows us in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 40, as they talked about Jesus being both Lord and Christ, the Bible says, with many other words, he solemnly testified Peter and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls. There were about added, added about 3,000 souls. They took this opportunity, and souls were saved because they preached the gospel message. Look at Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began, to ask, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. He began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. You see, Peter would begin, he saw this opportunity, and what did he do? He used this opportunity to to heal this man, and then this would lead to allowing Peter and John to talk about Jesus Jesus Christ and who he was. All throughout the book of Acts, we find these opportunities where the apostles, they opened up their eyes and they took advantage of the opportunities around them. In Acts chapter 9, look over in Acts chapter 9. This was after the conversion of, (coughs) excuse me, the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 20. After Paul was converted, the Bible says, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying he is the son of God. Paul, he knew that he would have a captive audience in the synagogue. That was a place that he was going to go to. He saw that opportunity, and he would capitalize on that opportunity. Look at Acts chapter 16. I'm showing you all of these verses because I want you to see that this is something that all of us can do. There are opportunities everywhere we go. No matter where we are, who we are, there's opportunities to potentially start a conversation with someone and to do much more. And that's why we need to open up our eyes. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 13, and on the Sabbath day we went out outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. You see, they went everywhere, and they saw these opportunities wherever they went. Look over in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Even when Paul went to Athens in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. You see the point? Opportunities everywhere. They opened up their eyes, and they saw that there was an opportunity to teach someone about Jesus Christ. And because of that, many souls were saved. My point is this, when we keep our eyes open to opportunities to share Jesus, we can have the same results. Now, I know sometimes we can say to ourselves, well, listen, I don't have any opportunities to reach out to someone who is lost. Let me ask you a couple of questions. See the photo behind me? Kind of looks like a doctor's office, right? You know what happens when you go to a doctor's office, right? You're going to sit there for about an hour if if you're lucky, maybe a little bit more. But look around. There are people there in the same office as you. And there is an opportunity to potentially talk to someone, to potentially strike up a conversation. My point is, when we look around and open up our eyes, there are opportunities everywhere we go. 
Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you have a job? If you have a job, you have an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. Do you go to the grocery store? I don't know how many times we've already been to Walmart and Kroger in 31 days, but we go to the grocery store quite a bit. Are you in school? It doesn't matter how young you may be. There's an opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. I'm looking at the last 31 days. I've been to Walmart, Chipotle, the gym, Kroger, and the printing place down the street. And all those are opportunities, okay? And so it doesn't matter where you go. There are opportunities everywhere. But these types of environments will not appear to us as an opportunity unless our mind is focused on reaching the lost. You see, our mind has to be on this. We have to be thinking about Where's my opportunity today? And there are opportunities everywhere we go. One of the brothers back at Dallin Road, Wesley Pollard, uh, he's such a great example. And, and Wesley will go into Walmart, and he'll strike up a conversation, and he'll have a Bible study in no time. And it, there's opportunities everywhere. It's almost like, though, buying a car. Have you ever experienced this where you bought a car, and then three days later you look around and you say, everyone has bought the same car? How do they know? How do they know that I bought this car? You look around and you start to see, wow, everybody has the same car that I have. Well, that's not necessarily true. But now you're focused on that car. And so you're more aware of that. And now you're more aware of there's a lot of other people who have the same kind of car. Well, when we focus our mind on evangelism, when we focus our mind and open up our eyes and see opportunities around us, then those opportunities are going to become more and more aware or more and more evident. But we have to first begin thinking about this. And we have to be focused that we have a mission, that we're on a mission from the Lord. We have the greatest thing that individuals need. We know who Jesus is. We know the truth about Jesus. And we have a great responsibility to share the gospel message with others. I remember when I was with Pfizer back in 2001, I think I told a couple of you guys this story. In 2009, when I first started at Dallin Road, I got an email from this woman named Alyssa. And I don't even remember doing this, but she wrote me, she wrote in the email that back in 2001, during one of the study sessions, we'd all get together and we'd study. Evidently, I had written out some Bible verses on a sheet of paper. I don't know what I wrote. I don't know what exactly what verses I gave, but something I think pertaining to salvation. And I just gave them around to some of the people that I was studying with. Well, she kept that letter or that piece of paper. And she emailed me years later saying that she eventually obeyed the gospel. And something about holding on to that. She would meet a nurse who was a Christian. She would marry that nurse's son. And now they have three or four children. And that stuck with me. I still have that email today because it's a reminder that we never know the influence that we're going to have on someone. Whether it's, uh, uh, whether it's talking to them or writing out something to them. When we look for those opportunities, we never know the influence or the impact that we may have. So doing this simple thing is how we can be successful. The first thing we have to do, we have to open up our eyes. And obviously, there's a lot more that we're going to have to do. I think all of us recognize that there are opportunities everywhere we go. So we're going to have to take another step. After we open up our eyes, then we're going to have to open up our mouth. We're going to have to say something. And this is really where I think it gets hard. This is not rocket science, yet I think this is one of the most challenging things for some people. You see an opportunity. Have you ever had that opportunity? And it's like a door is opening up for you. And you're thinking to yourself, I have got to capitalize on this opportunity. But then you you kind of get stuck. What am I supposed to say? Where should I begin? And how do I strike up this conversation? And what's going to happen if I say something to them? 
I think this is challenging for us sometimes to speak to others. I think it's challenging sometimes for a couple of reasons. Sometimes I think we lack confidence in ourselves to begin a conversation with a person. Other times I think we may fear that if I say something, am I going to offend that person? Am I going to offend that family member? Am I going to offend that neighbor if I try to talk to them about the Lord? Sometimes we might tell ourselves they just probably won't believe. There's no way they could believe. There's no way that they could ever follow Jesus, could they? Have you ever felt that way before? I'll be the first to raise my hand, okay? I've felt that way before. If you have felt that way before, you're not the only one. We read about great men in the Word of God who experience these same kind of fears and being nervous and having doubts. And one of them in particular was Moses. Remember the story of Moses? Go back to Exodus chapter 3. The story of Moses is interesting, and one of the things we can learn from the story of Moses is that when it comes to doing the work of God, when it comes to doing the will of God, God expects us to do it. He wants us to follow through. Now, Moses was called to do something great, to lead God's people out of Egyptian bondage. And God said, Moses, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to deliver my people from Egyptian bondage. What I want you to see in these verses here is that Moses would use every excuse to try to get out of doing what God wanted him to do. What I want us all to go home with today, at least part of this, is there are no excuses. We can be successful. We will be successful when it comes to reaching the lost. And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 11, or look at verse number 10, God said to Moses, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God said, Listen, i got great work for you to do, Moses. Look at verse number 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? You see what Moses said? God, I'm no one special. There's no way I can do this. Have you ever thought that about yourself? There's no way I can talk to someone. There's no way I can potentially start up a Bible conversation or a Bible study. Moses felt that way. If we feel that way, we need to remember that we are, we are the people of God and that God is with us. And God would tell Moses, listen, in verse 12, he said, certainly I will be with you. That's what we need to hold on to when that fear begins to arise in our hearts. So God said, listen, everything's going to work out okay, right? Now, Moses, he got on board after that. No, he didn't. Look at verse number 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So after God said everything's going to be okay, Moses said, Well, wait a second. What am I supposed to say to them? I don't know exactly what to say. So God would answer that excuse. And verse number 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say, to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Have you ever used that excuse before? There's an opportunity, but you don't really know what to say. Man, I'm just going to kind of let it go by. God says there's no excuse. We have the truth, according to John 8 and verse number 32. We can know the truth. We know the power of the gospel. According to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, we know what we have. We need to share that with others. We can just look at the New Testament and can find so many examples of what we should say. So Moses tried to get out of doing the work of God, but God said, no, Moses, you're going to do it. Look at chapter 4 and verse number 1. You would think by now that Moses would have gotten the memo, but he didn't. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me? Listen to what I say, for they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. 
Moses said, they're not going to listen to me. He's trying to get out of it again. And so the Lord said, what's that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And so God would, would give him something to demonstrate that indeed the Lord was with him. But I want you to notice that excuse. What if they will not believe me or listen to what I have to say? Have you ever thought that way? That if I try to talk to someone, they're not going to believe what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm going to say. They're not going to believe me at all. Well, how do you know they're not going to believe you? You see, that's not an excuse either when it comes to us reaching the lost. We have the word of God. We have the truth. And the honest truth is there are going to be some people who will not necessarily believe what we have to say. But how do you know that person will not believe? How do you know that? The only way you're going to know is if we, is if you talk to them and at least give them an opportunity. Look at verse number 10 of chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, it's almost now like he's begging, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. God, I'm just not a good speaker. There's got to be someone else better than me. And God said, Moses. You're going to do this, okay? You will be successful. And he would tell him, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you with this. Now look at verse number 13. God has given Moses all the confidence that he needed. But in verse number 13, Moses said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. And when you look at verse number 14, it's as if the Lord said, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Five excuses. And God said, None of them are going to work. But I wonder sometimes if verse number 13 is how we can feel or how Christians can feel. Can't you just send someone else? I really don't want to do it. God says, Listen, we have work to do. We can be successful. All of us need to be a part of this. Moses, he had one major problem. He focused on all the challenges, all the what-if scenarios he could imagine instead of focusing on the power of God. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've done that before. What if this and what if that? Well, we can't worry about what-ifs. We need to give individuals an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. Like Moses, God wants us to be focused on the success we will have because of him. When we do, we will have no problems opening up our mouths to talk to others. Like Moses, we have power from God through the, through, through the gospel message. And this is why we need to open up our mouth with confidence and share Jesus with others. Now, that leads us to something else. What exactly are we supposed to say? Well, there's lots of different examples that we find in the Word of God. You look at individuals who open up their mouths uh, and talk to others. Look at Acts chapter 8. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, and this was something very special here. In Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, the angel of the Lord, uh, the angel of the Lord in verse number 26, spoke to Philip saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian. He would find this Ethiopian. He would run to the chariot. And in verse number 30, he began by opening his mouth and saying, Do you understand what you are reading? And that led to a discussion, a spiritual discussion, that allowed this man eventually to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. When Paul was going into Ephesus, the Bible says it happened that, that while Apollos was at Corinth, 
Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul began in a little bit different way. But nonetheless, this conversation began. Go back to Acts chapter 18. Remember the story of Priscilla and Aquila? Look at verse number 26. That Priscilla and Aquila, they heard Apollo speaking. And in verse number 26, it says, and then he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So we find individuals opening up their mouths to talk to others in some shape or form. And that's exactly what we have to do. Now, whatever we may say can come in a variety of ways. The brother I was telling you about, Wesley, he'll go into Walmart and he'll talk to someone and he'll say, you're the one. And naturally, they look at him a little bit weird. What do you mean I'm the one? And he said, well, I prayed to God last night that I could talk to one person about Jesus, and you're that person. And you know what happens? He gets Bible studies. There could be some times where you may not want to say certain phrases. I was in an elevator, and uh, a woman walked in one time, and, and I asked her, are you going up or down? And she said, up. And I said, are you sure? And she looked at me kind of weird, and it got awkward. So you may not want to do that. But whether or not it's asking someone, come and see, inviting someone out to services, come and see. That's the language that we find with with Nathaniel in John chapter 1. Or just inviting someone to a Bible study or talking to someone about the Bible classes that we have. I want to share something else that you can do. If you're looking for a way to open up your mouth, invite someone to the upcoming gospel meeting. It's as simple as leaving one of these cards and inviting someone to come out. And, and share with them, listen, we'd like, to, we'd like to have you over at the West Main Congregation. We're going to be studying the Word of God. We have a guest speaker, and we want you to bring your Bible and come, come study with us next week. That's all you have to say. Something else that we can do, and uh, there's some men here, and I appreciate the men who have put together some cards. Uh, these are some, uh, some visitor cards that we have put together. And one of the things I'm going to encourage everybody to do is to pick up some of these cards in the foyer after services and hold on to these cards. And as you're going to Kroger or to Walmart or to school or on the airplane or wherever you may be, you can just give someone one of these cards. Hey, I'd love for you to come out and visit us sometime at the West Main Church of Christ. Or if you're having a Bible study at your home, I'd love for you to come out and be a part of our Bible study. Brothers and sisters, we can do this. We can, we can be successful, but it's going to require that we open up our eyes and look for these opportunities. And it's going to require then that we open up our mouth and talk to people about Jesus. One of the things that I'm learning is this idea of putting a rock in someone's shoe. I was reading a book and I picked this up. Putting a rock in someone's shoe. The idea behind that is saying something or referencing something. Maybe a Bible passage or something like that. To kind of get someone to think about something. We don't have to convert someone on the very first time that we meet them. But if we can at least get them started to think about some things spiritually. Uh, then that is an opportunity and a way for us to potentially take that next step with them. But that's going to require that we open up our eyes. That's going to require that we open up our mouth. And it's going to require that we're going to have to be patient. We talked about that, patience. We talked about that virtue. It's going to take some time when it comes to converting men and women because we're dealing with hearts. And not everyone will believe. Not everyone is going to be interested in having a Bible study, but that's okay. We're going to have to be patient. And as we are, opportunities will make themselves available. Let us never forget who is also at work in all of this. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want you to remember verse number 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. As we talk about reaching the lost, as we talk about evangelism, let's remember that God is also at work, that we have a responsibility, that he's looking for gardeners and harvesters, and yet God is at work also. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And so we've got to remember that, that God is at work too. And so our responsibility is to look for these opportunities to open up our eyes, to open up our mouth, but we still have to do something else. We're going to wrap up with this point right here. After we open up our eyes and open up our mouth, we're going to have to open up the Word of God. We've got to take people to the Bible. We've got to open up the Scriptures and sit down with individuals. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you look at the account in Acts chapter 11 and verse number 14, as Peter was rehearsing what took place when he was at the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 11 and verse number 14, he reminded them what he was told, that he would speak words to you by which you would be saved, you and all your household. People need to hear the word of God, which means that we're going to have to sit down with individuals. We're going to have to know our Bibles to be able to teach someone and to be able to guide them through the scriptures. That's where we come in, and this is a great responsibility that we must have. This means something for all of us. It means that we must be ready. The Bible classes that we do here, they're, they're designed to help us to learn more about the Bible. They're designed to help us to know more about the Bible and for our benefit, obviously, to draw closer to the Lord. And at the same time, it's going to help us as we talk to others about Jesus. But our Bible study does not just end here with Bible classes on Wednesdays and Sundays. We need to be studying the Word of God every day. We need to know the Word of God for ourselves because these opportunities are going to make themselves available and when that opportunity happens, when that opportunity becomes available, we have got to walk through that door, which means that we must be ready. Now, a question that a lot of people have is, okay, well, I opened up my eyes, I opened up my mouth, and now this person is interested in a Bible study. Where do I begin? What happens next? Well, a couple of things to remember. One, keep it simple. What did we just get done talking about last quarter? The life of Christ. That's a great place to begin. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them about his life. Teach them about who he is and what he did and the miracles that he performed. We're going through the book of Acts. That's a great place to begin with someone, too. Help them to see how individuals were converted to Christ and what that looked like to believe in Jesus Christ. Another thing to keep in mind as you open up your Bible, you don't have to do it alone. You have men here, you have women here who can assist you in those Bible studies. You don't have to do this all by yourself. I'd be more than happy to sit down and study with you as others would too. And so when it comes down to sitting with someone and talking to them from the word of God, it can be a team effort. In fact, that's what we find throughout the scriptures that it was time and time again a team effort. Where Paul and Silas was with the Philippian jailer. Peter and John talked to the people at the temple. We can do this together. And so you don't have to be afraid or concerned. Well, I don't know what to say or how to say it. There's someone else who can help you along the way. And I'd love to do whatever I can do to help you when those studies become available. Here's the point. Brothers and sisters, we have great work to do. And when it comes to evangelism, it is not rocket science. Would you agree with that? I've seen this in action. And I know you have too. Let me tell you one story real quickly here. I was at the gym back in Beaumont. When I would go to the gym, and I can't remember if I told you guys this story or not, but I'll say it again. I don't really like to talk to people, right? I like to listen to their music and get my workout in, kind of leave me alone, right? 
One of the brothers at the, at the congregation was there, and he said, hey, I got this brother, I want you, or this guy I want you to talk to. And I was like, oh, all right, well, what's his name? He wanted me to set up a Bible study with him. I said, what's his name? And he said, I don't know his name. I said, wait a second, you want me to talk to this guy? Try to set up a Bible study, and you don't even know his name. He said, yeah, I want you to do that. And so I went over to where this guy was. He was like 6'8", and he's doing squats. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's a giant. And, uh, and I went over there. I don't know the guy's name. But I said, my name is Benjamin, and I have a really cool Bible presentation that could change your life. Would you like to hear it? And he said, yes. And I said, what? I, I didn't maybe say that, but I was shocked. I said, really? He said, yeah, I would. And so we exchanged phone numbers. I never studied with him. We went out of town the following week. But you know what happened? Someone else did. And I love that story because this man was converted to Christ. One year later, his wife was converted to Christ. So my friend, Roger, he forced me. Actually, his eyes were already open, and he saw an opportunity. He forced me to open up my mouth, and someone else opened up the Bible. You see how it's a team effort? We don't have to do it all by ourselves. We have support. And something as simple as looking and seeing an opportunity, what's the worst thing that guy could have said to me? Get out, get out of my way. No, I don't want to have a Bible study. And I would have gone and kept on working out. But the best thing happened. He said yes. And now his family tree is changed forever. You see, brothers and sisters, I know you have stories just like that because someone had to talk to you. Someone took the time to open up their eyes and to see the value of sharing the gospel with you. And to lead you to the word of God so that you can learn more about Christ. You see, this is something that all of us can do. We can be successful. We will be successful. But it begins by doing some simple things. Open up your eyes, your mouth, and your Bible. And watch what will happen. I want to encourage everyone to pick up these flyers here. We've made them because we have this meeting coming up. Pick them up. Share them. Let's get them all out. And, and pick up a stack of these cards. And I want to challenge you this week and next week and the week after this, after that. Get one of these cards out. Could you get out one card a week? Could you invite someone to services? Could you leave this at a restaurant? Chipotle is going to have a ton of these cards because I go there all the time. Could you leave one of these on one of the tables or give it to the, some, someone who's serving you? You don't even have to say anything. But just giving someone a card, you never know what could happen. You see, there are opportunities waiting for us right here, right now. Let's make sure that we capitalize upon them. Let me conclude by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 11. And let us always remember how serious this really is. Ken talked about the patience of God, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. We need to understand that souls are at stake and that we need to be persuading men, that we need to be teaching the gospel to someone. They're looking for those opportunities. And maybe we don't bring them all the way to, uh, to being converted to Christ. Maybe we just get them thinking about something. That's fine. Maybe you're just the gardener and someone else is going to come along and do the harvesting. You can't do a lot of harvesting, though, if there's no gardeners. And so all of us need to take that responsibility and to see and look for those opportunities and then watch what will happen. It changed the life of Karen because her son saw that opportunity. He cared. He 
he said, my mom needs help. Your soul will save. Do you know someone who needs help, who needs the blood of Jesus Christ? Now is the time for action. Maybe there's someone here. You know the gospel story. You know what Jesus has done for you. You know how he died on the cross. The question for you is what are you waiting for? Do you truly believe that Jesus is the son of the living God? Will you turn away from your sin? And will you be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sin to receive his saving grace? That's what he wants you to do because your soul is so important. And because eternity is at stake. That's what we want you to do. Can we help you? Can we study with you? Whatever we can do, let us know as we stand and as we sing.